Hey, DJ Fluck here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. If you're from the Los Angeles area, you already know our guest today, Kelly Tennant. For everyone else, Kelly covered the Dodgers for Sportsnet LA and walked away from her career to start her own company and podcast called The Platform. Today we talked to her about how her health had a major impact behind the scenes of her career. Oh, and pardon the issues with the phone call quality. The issues clear up as the show goes on. Live from a makeshift recording studio, somewhere in the middle of the desert, this is the Stadium Scene Podcast. With your hosts... DJ Flug. I suck at trivia and I suck at telling jokes. Kate Thompson. The Jack Man, which is just the most awesome name. And Jillian Fisher. No, that was just because I'm crazy as hell. <laughs> You're listening to the Stadium Scene Podcast. to episode number 31. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. First, we're going to introduce A-list celebrity star of NHL Network segments, Jillian. I hate when you do that I so know. much. I know. <laughs> Which is why exactly why you do it. I just to start relishing it and then it'll stop. <laughs> By the way, DJ, have you ever changed our um, bio on whatever social media no. you changed it? No, no he I, didn't. I, no. I didn't. Was that the Twitter account? I think so. So. It's all and, good. It's all good. I'm just going to start loving it and it'll go away. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell, Kate is actually sitting right next to me today. Woo! So much Yay. warmer than Chicago. <laughs> so, Kate, we have a uh, guest in the studio, and I think it would be only fitting that if you go ahead and do the introduction. So, go for it. Okay, I'm going to read this doc- this piece of paper you handed me. Uh, If you live in the Los Angeles area, you probably already know our guest today. She previously worked at Sportsnet LA, hosting various shows covering the LA Galaxy, Lakers, Sparks, and also working as the on-field reporter for the LA Dodgers. Today, we're going to learn why she stepped away from her career in order to start her own company and podcast known as The Platform, a place where women can support women. Please welcome to the show... Kelly Tennant. Hello. <laughs> what a warm welcome. Thank you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks, thanks for, for coming on. Yeah, this is great. I'm really excited to talk to you. So so we're gonna go ahead and, and jump in. We got a, a lot to talk about here, and I know there was a lot of questions going around the internet where you kind of kind of disappeared for a while. So we're we're gonna get into that here in a little bit, but. Before we get going here, you know, you've had a, a pretty extensive career up to this point in broadcasting. So why, why did you get into broadcasting? 
You know, when I was in sixth grade, I hosted the morning announcements and we actually had like a broadcasting department at my middle school, which is crazy. And we had TVs in every classroom and we had a studio and we would anchor the morning announcements. So we would tell everyone what was on the list for lunch that day or what activities were going around school or if there was like a student council election, we would talk about that. And that was my first time ever being on television and I loved it so much. So when I was in sixth grade, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know it would be sports but I knew that I wanted to be on television and tell stories. And when you went on to college, you, uh, you went to USC and you played volleyball there, but you gave it up after two years. So can you kind of talk to us what, what, what that was all about? Yeah, unfortunately, after two years, I got very ill and I was bedridden and had what was for about six months an undiagnosed disease. Um, and we went through the gamut of cancer and they thought I broke my back and had torn discs. And I was originally diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was 19, which was proven wrong last summer. I found out I have Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, but that's why I had to quit. I was forced to retire. I could barely walk or get out of bed. So it wasn't a choice to give it up. It was definitely something that was forced upon me um, and created a huge change in my life. But that's how that went down. So since you started playing um, volleyball, but then you went to the journalism side, um, what was it like being or reporting on a team that you were previously on? It was tough. I tried to embrace it because I knew that at the end of the day, going to USC was really about broadcasting for me, not volleyball. Um, when I was being recruited, I was recruited by all the top schools. I was a top five recruit, so I could have gone anywhere. And I chose USC because of the broadcast department and because of the network in LA, the fact that I could get great internships. So I was very conscious about that decision. And I knew that I needed to get experience. So if I wasn't going to be playing volleyball, I needed to dive headfirst into this next career I was going to have, even at such a young age. Um, but, but covering my own team was an amazing opportunity because I could mess up and it was my friends and they just laughed at me and we just moved on. And I got a ton of reps and it was really, really great to get that on-camera experience. And I looked really terrible. I was super uncomfortable. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was a great place to learn. On the flip side of that, it was really hard because I wasn't traveling with the team. When I got sick, I was the captain. So it was a really rough transition for me and no longer being identified as a volleyball player, but this normal student that was working. And so that was a difficult situation to be in because I was no longer one of the girls. I was sort of an outsider. Oh, that's tough because like the friendships that you bond or you make when you are on a team like that are just so tight and connected. And did that kind of change a little bit, those connections that you made with the friends there on that team when you had to transition out of being on the team and reporting on it? Yeah, when I got really sick, I didn't know what was going on. So I really shut a lot of people out. I was very depressed and I was in severe pain on a scale of one to 10, it was always a 10, 24 yeah. seven. And like I said, I couldn't go to school. I didn't leave my apartment very often. I wasn't traveling with the team. I couldn't go to practices. I mean, walking five feet was exhausting for me. And so I shut people out because I didn't know what to say. And there was a day where one of my teammates 
came and she was banging on my apartment door and I opened the door and I'm like in my apartment cooking oatmeal, no big deal. And she's screaming and crying at me and I'm asking her what's going on. And she said, your mom called and she thought that you had killed yourself because you're not answering your phone at 10 a.m. You're not talking to anyone. You know, we know you're in a rough place. No one knows what's going on. And that was really eye opening for me because I realized how bad off I was and how much people were worrying about me and how I had really distanced myself in a very bad way to protect myself, to protect other people. And that's when I, I understood that, you know, things were going down a really bad path and I was no longer close with my friends or my family because I just didn't know what to do. And with any battle like that, I mean, that just, when you're at such a tough place in your life, it just never, it doesn't ever fully go away. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about like the progression? Because you know you've you've documented your battles with depression and chronic pain, and I guess that's kind of carried on throughout your career. Would you say? And just what's what's that been like? Definitely, I think anytime you have a chronic illness, depression is going to be a part of the conversation because anyone that has lived with it knows it it can rear its ugly head at any moment. There are triggers that you don't even know about, and so you could be feeling great one day and wake up the next day and just want to be curled up in a ball and sobbing and in so much pain. And so that unknown is really scary, and I think for me, I've always veered on depression and anxiety and from a very young age I always felt like I didn't belong I was an outsider and so that was really tough for me so I think you know having that and then getting a chronic illness where I'm sick all the time and having my life abruptly changed going from being the captain of a top five team in the country to not being able to walk is just really intense especially at 19 years old so i think that that continued to progress throughout my 20s and i never knew how i was going to feel and the stress of trying to work in television on top of that which is a very competitive environment you're working long hours i was working in new york in the snow and then you know long hours no matter what sport it is late at night so i was always really tired which was a huge trigger for me so i think that it was a constant conversation coming up because I just wasn't able to manage my symptoms. And also I mentioned this earlier, I just found out last summer what was really wrong with me. So I've been self-medicating holistically for the past 10 years, trying to heal myself with diets and all of these different things. But if you don't actually know what's wrong with you, you can't heal yourself from it. So that was also really tough. So, I mean, it's pretty clear you were hiding a lot of things you know from you know when you're going on tv like you know, over the last you know decade or so i mean what was you know you had your point in college where you said you basically shut off the world but where was it when you know it finally turned around enough for you to you know to go forward and get those jobs on TV and actually do you know, regular hosting duties. Was there ever a point or was this more just you kind of hiding it and trying to just power through the day? That's exactly it. I hit it and powered through from day one. Um, I mean, I would, I would go to work and I would be sobbing that whole day until I had to go to work. And then I would put on my makeup, put on my dress, do my thing. No one would ever know that I felt bad. 
and I would go home and I would sleep for three days because I was in so much pain and I was so tired and I had it had taken everything I had to do that one day of work and that has been a theme throughout my career and you know when you're on television you don't have the luxury of looking bad and it's funny because most people never believe that I was sick because I never really look sick unless you really know me and you can see that there's like an emptiness in my eyes and a puffiness in my skin and I'm willing to tell you how exhausted I am. I really always look really healthy. I take very good care of myself. My skin is clear. I have long, pretty hair. You know, I dress well. I smile and I do the thing. And so for most people, I look perfectly normal when on the inside I'm having this horrible battle that I'm trying to get through. And so it didn't matter what job I was doing. There were days when I felt really sick. There were also days when I felt great and it wasn't as big of an issue. But for me, I was always living in some kind of pain or fatigue. So, you know, I go back to that scale so people can understand when I was first sick, I was about a 10 every day. But then for the past 10 years, I haven't been as sick, um, but I've been living at a pain level of probably three to five every day. But I just got so used to it that I felt like, oh, it's manageable enough. I'm, I'm healthy. And that's not a way to live either because neurologically your body knows that you're in pain and you're ignoring it. And that's not good for you because it's eventually going to rear its ugly head. I feel like this puts you like in a really unique position and like with your the podcast, like the platform, I feel like part of it you say is kind of breaking, you want to discuss things you're passionate about with people that are breaking barriers and disrupting the norm. And then with your, with, you know, your illness and going through TV, like that's a very interesting spot to be in, you know, being on national television and on television, your face there when you, you're not feeling well, I feel like that gives you like this unique spot and it really helped put you in that, this, this space to create the platform. Would you say that it's kind of an, almost like a launching point or a part that helped you get to launching the platform? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big believer in spirituality and energy in the universe. And I believe everything happens for a reason and everything in our lives lead us up to that next opportunity or whatever it is. And so at the end of the day, I always wanted to have a show where I was having really in-depth conversations with people that I found inspiring or interesting. And working in sports, especially at a level where you're with the Dodgers and the Lakers, I mean, they're the two, two of the best teams in the entire world in their, in their given sports. So I had access to some of the best, best athletes to ever play the game. I had sit-down interviews with Magic Johnson. I worked with Landon Donovan on a regular basis. And I was getting really great conversations, but they weren't necessarily on camera. And so I would have a moment with a player in a locker room and they would be telling me about, you know, their daughter's eating disorder or someone in their life had died or some trauma or tragedy that they were going through. Landon Donovan and I talked a lot about mental illness and depression because that's something that he has suffered through in his career, which is why he had taken a sabbatical from playing soccer. And so I was getting these really interesting conversations but when I was on camera, I was talking about stats and numbers and post-game wrap-ups. And I, I just knew that there was more for me. And I didn't know when I made this transition what it was really going to look like. But it became very apparent to me that my 13-year battle with my health 
and all of the resources that I have found and all the people that are in my corner and my tribe that has helped me heal is not something that a lot of people have access to. I'm very lucky being in LA and people in New York, San Francisco, you know, we have options for alternative medicine and just education in this space in general, but a lot of people don't. And so I decided to take my journey and be very honest about it and find people that were in this space that would help educate others on their own healing journeys. And so to your point, I think I did spend all of this time getting this experience, having the access, learning all the things I did to create this platform where I could help other people heal and talk about things that truly mattered to me. Let's take a quick time out and talk about Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports platform that focuses on the athletes, not the games. With daily free and paid contests with Major League Baseball, the NBA, and NFL, you'll always find a contest that's right for you. Join one of the daily contests and pick 10 of the 20 prop bets, such as the over-under on Kevin Durant's total rebounds for a game, or Devin Booker's points plus rebounds plus assist total, and you get points for each correct pick you make. Whoever has the most points at the end of the day wins. It's that simple. Friends of StadiumScene.tv can get up to a $10 match for your first deposit by visiting StadiumScene.tv forward slash Thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. For more information, check out ThriveFantasy.com or download the apps on the Apple Store or Google Play. All right, so if you see an uh, awkward pause during the final broadcast of, uh, of the podcast, you could hear we were having a little bit of, of technical difficulties. Hopefully we are through that now. So as the uh, momentum killer, I'll try to get this thing going back again. Um, you, you'd mentioned previously that you had some sit-down interviews with, with Magic Johnson, with Landon Donovan, both you know, legends in their, their respective sports in this country. Who, you know, who, who was probably the most famous person? I mean, Magic Johnson's pretty famous, but you know, is there anybody at that caliber or above his caliber that, that you had sat down and interviewed that, that really made an impact on you? Yeah, Magic was definitely the the most famous, if that's how you want to say it, and the most profound um, and a huge, huge moment in my career. He actually requested the interview with me, and that was crazy. <laughs> um, he was just a big fan of mine and really liked the way I conducted myself and my interviews. And we had been trying to get him for quite a long time on our channel. I think it was about four years, and it never lined up. And the final request that the bosses made, he responded back and said, I'll do it, but only if Kelly does it. And that is the highest compliment you can get. I respect magic to the end of the earth. He has always been so incredibly wonderful to me from the moment I met him. So supportive of my career. Um, He bought the Sparks when I was the Sparks sideline reporter. And, you know, we just created this really great relationship over time. And he sort of served as my boss, I guess, never telling me what to do. But I saw him everywhere I was. And I knew that he really had a lot of control. And the fact that he chose me was a huge thing. And we had the most amazing conversation. It was a one-hour interview. And I got to this point where I knew that I was supposed to wrap up. You know, you have all these PR people around with someone of his caliber and they tell you okay you have five minutes left you cannot ask any more questions he has a hard out and i get to that point and they're making me stop and he looks at me and he said are you done 
And I said, no. And he said, keep going. And we went on for at least another half an hour. Awesome. And I'm in my head like, what the hell? <laughs> You're magic. And, I mean, you know, and I'm breaking the rules. Is someone going to yell at me later for this? And it was so fantastic. And yeah, it was just a really beautiful day. And I'm just still so grateful to him for that because he was incredibly transparent and honest. And we had a really, really great conversation, not only about the Lakers and the Dodgers, but also about who he is and what drives him as a leader and as a person. And I just loved it. And, and he, you know, he's quite the character. I mean, is, is he really off camera, you know, as much of a character as he is on camera? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. He's exactly the way you see him all the time. He's always that smiley. He's always hugging everybody. He's, he cares about everyone so deeply. Um, you know, and I see these people in moments where they're pissed off because something's going on. And I've never seen him be mean, yell at somebody, call anybody out. He is truly just a kind human. So you've covered multiple different teams what was your favorite league to cover you know that's a great question and it's hard because they're all so different i think for me covering the galaxy was really special because i was with them the year they won the mls cup and it was the first year i was with the team it was my first ever professional team i had worked with i got very close with the guys that year it was really really special and when you work in soccer it's a different thing. It's a, it's a different animal because they don't get paid a lot. And there are a bunch of guys, for the most part, that play because they love it. And so they're so humble. And many of them are European. I always tell people it's so funny. I remember the first time I had to do post-game interviews. And they bring them to me in this hallway outside the locker room which is awesome because I don't want to go in a locker room with a bunch of gross guys after a game. So I'm yeah. standing there waiting, and I don't really know them that well yet. And all the European guys, they come up, they hug you, they kiss you on the cheek, and they're so kind. And I'm like, okay, seven boys have now kissed me on the cheek after a game. Everyone is so nice. What world am I in? But that's, that's awesome. how they work. They're just very kind, personable, loving people. And the the nature of working with the Galaxy was that from day one. And they just took me in as family. They always protected me and took good care of me. And so I think as a, as a young woman entering this business, that was honestly the best way to do it. And so they always have a special place in my heart. So you were there during, I guess, Bruce Arena was was the coach. Was yeah, yeah, good old Brucey. I, I, I remember I met Bruce Arena when I was maybe – you know, 12 years old it was like right at the start of the of the mls and i i just remember him he was just so like great with all the kids and and bob bradley who later went on to be his uh or the u.s national team coach has had you know i mean he's lafc right now um he was an unknown assistant under bruce arena and i remember he signed an autograph for me and he just kind of laughs he goes uh, kid you have no idea who i am do you and you know <laughs> No, I don't. I don't have any idea who you are. Now I do, but you know, at, at 12 years old, you know, he's a relative unknown assistant. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. But um, so just shifting gears just a little bit here, you know, the name Kike Hernandez uh, has some association. Kike, yeah, with that's some, my guy. He has some uh, association with you uh, with a certain photo that went viral not once but twice for. Two different you mean reasons. because he is he has toxic masculinity? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I think he's short and it's funny. So <laughs> go on. I, I mean, I, I don't follow the Dodgers closely. I'm not, a, no, I'm not a fan of the Dodgers, but I mean, I, I know enough that like, you know, this guy, he's, he's, he's a joker. He's, you know, he's a practical joker guy. I mean, is that accurate? Oh yeah. Okay. So the first, this is fun because it's actually the first audio interview I've done about this. I've done a few um, for written publication, but I love telling this story because this should shut everyone up. So the first time I meet Kike, it was when he was pulled up from AAA and I had no idea who this kid is. I don't know anyone in the farm system. I'm still new to covering baseball, which is like kind of scary to me and intimidating. And so I just go in very quietly, gingerly into the clubhouse. You know, I don't make a scene ever. And I walk in and in the back right corner of the Dodgers clubhouse, I hear this kid (laughs) screaming, hey, lady. I'm ready for my interview. He is standing on a chair. Oh my God. And all the guys are dying laughing. I'm in heels because I always wear heels at work for the most part, unless I'm doing soccer because you're, you know, on the grass. But I'm in heels and I am laughing so hard. And I knew, I'm like, this is going to be my guy. I already love him. And that was the beginning of our friendship. And from that day on, I would say 90% of the time when he saw me come in, he would get on the chair. Um, Chase Utley started doing it. He would jump <laughs> on the couch and be like, okay, I'm ready for my interview. They would always give me a hard time about my shoes. I would take them off sometimes to do interviews with them because it was just like this whole joke we all had. And so for that thing to go viral, and I don't remember who the one person who posted it, whatever. They clearly don't know what they're talking about. And yes, trust me, there is toxic masculinity in the world. I'm not saying that's not a thing. And I'm not saying that I haven't personally experienced that. I am saying that go after people that are actually like that. Don't go after someone who is one, like you said, a practical joker. And two, such a good human. He is so kind. He loves everyone. I mean, he couldn't be a better guy. And that's who you choose to go after. <laughs> and I mean, I it's frustrating now, like for real, yeah. it's frustrating. Well, and honestly, Kiki's the one that told me about the post initially. He texted me and said, hey, did you see we're famous? And <laughs> obviously I wasn't working with the team. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of months. Like, what is he talking about? I go to the post and I was laughing so hard. I was like, oh my God, people like are, you know, embracing this. This is so hilarious. We had been on MLB network the next day after that had happened and it was all over sports center. And so, you know, we had had our moment and then I thought, oh great, this is coming back. I didn't even pay attention to the whole toxic masculinity thing. And then as that week went on, it got worse and worse and he started getting attacked and I swore I wouldn't say anything because I didn't feel like I needed to rescue him. He's a grown ass man. But then I did because I I just thought, okay, this has gotten so brutally ugly. People are tearing him apart. And I'm very close with him and his fiance, fiance Mariana. And so then I was messaging her and I'm like, is Kike okay? And she's like, no, he's not. He is so beside himself and so distraught about this. He feels so bad. He can't believe that people think that he's this bad guy. And it just turned into this really horrible thing. And someone tried to make it go viral again two weeks ago. And I'm like, I don't have the energy for this. (laughs) And I think what's so frustrating is this in the age of the internet with like the way things get retweeted and such, it's just things get taken out of context so easy. And nobody bothers to do 
30 seconds of research on anything. They just spit out. They're all just trying to have the next hot take for likes and retweets. And it's exactly it causes it is. And it causes things like this where it's like this is this is a situation that gosh, you you, they they ruined it. They ruined they ruined that fun, innocent little thing, you know? Yeah. And then how does that affect him later? You know, I'm I haven't been around the team since then, but I don't know. Was he less himself because now he feels like he has to be protected and not as fun? And that's just unfortunate because You need people like him in the world. He always made every situation fun. I always appreciated everything he did. So did the team. They love him. Even Mr. Serious Clayton Kershaw loved Kike and everything (laughs) he brought to the team. So it's like, you know, I hate that that is kind of pushed to the side and, and you know, unacceptable to people. And it probably did have an impact on him because when I was in Australia and I was working with the, um, there was a hockey team part of the AIHL there. And they were letting me play on the ice with some of the guys. And I was asked, I was like begging one of the guys, like, just check me. Like I was trying to get funny footage for a company Mm. I was working with. And he was like, absolutely not. He was like, the way the internet works, he was like, even if like you give your consent and like record yourself saying it, he was like, people can take that and be like, look at this jerk checking this girl. He's like, I just don't want any part of that. I'm like, the internet ruins things. Like I was like asking like, please, like, it'll be fun. Like I was trying to like get a good feel for it. And like, we were just messing around. And just the way the internet works is just things get taken out of context. And I think it kind of hinders people. I mean, if you take away the cameras, obviously people are different. But with the MLB, I mean, the cameras are always there. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> in the clubhouse, reporters are there for hours upon hours every mm-hmm. day. These guys can't do anything. It's always going to be caught on camera. So before we uh, transition, I just my, my cousin will be happy that I mentioned this. So she's from Philadelphia and she's been in love with Chase Otley for his mm. entire career. So I just, I, I just wanted to mention that because she'll be happy when she hears this. So. Oh, I mean, Chase is honestly one of my favorite people in the whole world. I didn't know him. Um, you know, I had never interacted with him until he joined the team and he is such a lovely human. We always had the best conversations. He would, you know, I get stuck in the elevator going somewhere with, players all the time and he would always ask me such kind questions about where I grew up and my family and how I was doing and was always just so honest that, you know if he didn't want to do an interview that day he said no but he was so kind and and then the days that we did do them he was more than happy to give time and for people like that that have been in the league so long and get asked for so many things I I just really respect him and what he stands for and the kind of husband and father that he is that's awesome She'll, Plus, he's not she, bad to look at. She, so. she'll, <laughs> yeah. she'll, she'll be thrilled to hear that. Um, yeah. So, so um, as we kind of transition away, um, you know, we uh, we had been following your your Instagram account for a while, um, and you know, we stumbled upon it the one day, and we were following it, and then it, it seemed like you hadn't posted in a while, but we'd always previously see your stories up on our our Instagram feed, and then one day it just kind of stopped. And, you know, you weren't with, you know, we looked around and we weren't, we saw you weren't with Sportsnet LA anymore. You weren't working for the, uh, you know, covering the Dodgers. You weren't covering the Galaxy. And there was actually 
threads on Reddit asking, hey, what, what happened to Kelly? She was there and one minute now she's gone. By the way, DJ was the author of all of those threads and he I, is your yeah. number one stalker. <laughs> I was not. Yes. Okay, good. Someone aside from my mom, I appreciate you. No, there, there, seriously, there, there, there is actually, there was a thread on Reddit saying what, what happened to her? She, you know, we we're watching and covering the Dodgers and next thing you know, she's gone. So was... You know, was was that related to you know we've discussed earlier in the show with your your health problems and just struggling to get through the day is is that related? Did, did you finally just have a a day where you just said that's it? I I can't handle this. I need to get myself under control here. Or what? yeah, that's yeah, it's, it's a good way to put it. Not the whole story, but um, basically in December, starting late November, early December, I started feeling really sick and. Um, and in December, I realized my body was shutting down and I was sleeping about 16 hours a night and I would need naps the next day. My body was in severe pain again. I was back to about an eight and it had been a while since that was the case. And so I went through all of December and didn't really know what to do. And I'm not sure what date it was. It's all kind of a blur now, but spoke with my bosses and um, I decided that I needed to take a leave. And so I was on leave for five months from work and they were incredibly supportive and I'm so grateful for that. Um, But it was just a lot of factors that had created stress and pain in my body and I just came to a point where I could no longer function and I was in a really bad state and I you know over the years I'm 30 and at 21 you treat your body a lot differently than you do at 30 and you think that you know you think that oh it's fine I'll push through or oh I need this job I have to show up and I got to a point where I realized that nothing matters more than my health and I can't function without that. And I know how precious that is. And this has been a 13 year battle for me. And so that was, you know, other factors just made me realize I had to shut it down. And so I left work and, um, I just rested. You guys, I slept for three months straight. I, I didn't do anything. I barely left my apartment. Um, my poor boyfriend came home every night and I hadn't moved from the couch. I barely even showered. Um, I was so fucking tired and so run down and yeah, it just, it just shut down and I honored that. And When it came time for me to go back to work in March, I decided not to go back for personal reasons. And I decided that, you know, it was time for me to do something different. Um, I desired to get out of sports and, like I said earlier, have the conversations that I had been wanting to have for so long. And, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And this was an opportunity for me to explore what would really make me happy and be on my terms and be in a situation where I could control my health and dictate things. And so having my own show and my own company, I'm the boss. So yesterday I wasn't having a good day. There were some things going on in my life and I shut everything down. I didn't leave the house. I canceled everything and I get to do that. But when you're working for other people, that's the case. And so, um, that's why I made the transition and, um, you know, it wasn't easy. 
and of course there's always going to be speculation but it's my own it's my life and it's my privacy and um you know sometimes you have to make decisions um for yourself that are personal and you have to honor them and not worry about what other people are going to say and it sounds like overall it's just way better for you too like you you can have people hating or judging or questioning but when when you have that kind of control when you're going through things that's there's nothing else that matters at that point yeah it's so true and again i think 30 year old me just really views life differently than the younger version of me mm -hmm. i i did anything i could to make it in broadcasting and i did a really good job i worked my ass off i you know i did it right and i did it well and i had amazing jobs that people would kill for but at the end of the day that's not what matters and i realize what does matter and that's my happiness and being fulfilled and being healthy and i have that and i'm really glad i do that's so awesome to hear like it Thanks. to hear like you know because again when you're 20 you're in college and you're 20 there's just your priorities are so different and it's just so great to hear like how we grow and how things change and it can be really really difficult to allow those changes to happen and be like hey i did this really well but it's time for something else that's that can be so so hard to do but it's always great to hear when it's happening and it's fulfilling you know yeah i think so often we live our lives for other people and i am mm -hmm. definitely guilty of doing that for a long time and it wasn't until the last year or so where i realized i no longer wanted to do that because it didn't serve me and I really started branching out and being honest about what I cared about and what mattered to me and who I was and valuing myself. And I will say Oral Hershiser was a huge catalyst in that transition for me mentally because he would say things to me. He was he was like my most favorite uncle I could have ever asked for. <laughs> and he truly looked out for me and cared about me in a way I could have never expected, especially of you know someone like him who's such a legend and my mom's just in love with him which is hilarious but he he really helps me he really helped me find my value in myself not just being the pretty girl on tv but who i was and my work ethic and what i had to offer and i had never really had someone especially as a colleague tell me those things and show me that i had a lot more to offer than i was showing and that was that was a big change for me and so i will forever be grateful for him to for doing that it's just amazing like I, me sitting over here as as sports fanboy number one and you're you're, you're casually dropping oh you know oral hershizer and i'm just like legendary <laughs> dodgers pitcher oral hershizer and you're just like casually <laughs> name dropping him <laughs> that's awesome yeah, trust me it was weird for my parents when i would say oh yeah oral and i this or nomar and i that and my mom is a huge sports fan and obviously she's met all these people and they hug her and she just you know the world ends every time because it's like the greatest thing ever and i'm just like mom calm down she calls everyone her boyfriend you know all the boys were her boyfriend and I'm just like, oh dear god like i gotta work with these people they're not as cool as you think mom <laughs> Uh, so I have, I was gonna say, I have one like kind of final question on from me, just hearing the whole story and how you've gotten to where you are right now. What can listeners expect when they listen to the platform? I know we touched on it a little bit before, but just to kind of go a little bit more in depth, like what can they look forward to? Yeah, you know, I created a, a safe space for women specifically to learn and grow about alternative health um, and do so from 
practitioners like functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, shamans, psychics. Um, I have a lot of women that have founded non-toxic companies um, that, you know, I'm really passionate about educating women on the products we use and the chemicals that are in them and all of the harm that they do to our bodies and our health. And so I have a wide range of people within that space. And for me, it's really about merging wellness and spirituality. And I truly believe that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you believe in spiritually, whether you're a Christian or you're a Buddhist or you say the universe or God, I want people to understand that you can't heal physically without healing emotionally and spiritually and doing that work and getting to the core of why you're being triggered with physical manifestations of pain and illness, because I believe that all disease goes back to emotional trauma that we've experienced in this life or a past life. And so everyone that I talk to echoes that in their own way. And I just want people to be able to heal their bodies. And I provide different ways that they can do that. That is alternative to what most of their general practitioners are telling them. That's awesome. That's very cool. So, uh, okay, Kate's really eager to get to her segment, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask one one last question <laughs> here. Kate, Kate's sitting here like pointing at her notes, like yes, yes. Okay, so last thing. So, all right. So, if you could give one message today to women who may be struggling, and that could be you know with physical, you know, physical health, mental health something in between emotional health, you know, what, what would that one message be? I think the thing that I'm talking a lot about right now is the food that you put into your body and eliminating the inflammation. So I talk a lot about the autoimmune protocol, which is not just for people with autoimmune disease, but it eliminates um, a lot of foods that are inflammatory. For example, eggs, nuts, seeds, alcohol, caffeine, spices, um, and there's a whole list of things. And nightshade vegetables are a huge problem that people don't know about. And so if you're looking to get your health back, whether you have autoimmune disease or chronic inflammation, you're tired, you have headaches, you have acne, um, joint pain, any of that, it can really be remedied very much so by the food that you're putting in your body. So I urge everyone to look into the autoimmune protocol and I'm happy to answer any questions they have. You can email me um, about that, but that's something I really want to get the word out to people because it's super important to watch what you put in your body because that food is a huge trigger for all of the inflammation that a majority of the world is experiencing. The messages I get are that people are in pain in one way or another and if you start looking at the food, you can eliminate a lot of that and then start doing the deeper work. So DJ, stop eating pizza and drinking beer every day. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew that day was going to have to come sometime. <laughs> anyway, Kate's uh, her five fun fast facts segment. She's been sitting here patiently waiting to ask her question. So let's let's hear what All she's right, come Kate, up with Kate, this week. Hit me. Okay. <laughs> What, what is your spirit animal? Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> it only took one. That's this a time. loaded question. <laughs> that, yeah, I was not expecting that on this show. Not gonna lie. <laughs> That's, usually, it takes two or three before the guest goes. What? <laughs> you're, you're the first one to actually get caught up on the first one. <laughs> I love it. I just caught her that off guard. <laughs> so, so your spirit animal. 
Oh, I already did. I'm sorry. I oh. thought you heard me. I said giraffe. Oh. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite self-care technique? Mm, I love taking baths with CBD bombs. Ooh. What's your life motto? Um, take care of yourself and be happy. What is your optimal wake-up time? 7 a.m. I was hoping for like 6.47 or, you know. <laughs> you guys, I would wake up at 6 a.m. and go to bed at 8 p.m., but my boyfriend would kill me, and I would like to stay in this relationship, so I conceded <laughs> hardcore for him on this. Compromise. It's the success of yes. all relationships. So now the question that DJ thought was going to get the first reaction. If you were to use a time machine in 20 to 30 years in the future, what advice would future you give to current you? It's going to be okay. I like it. That's, good. That's a good one. Good answer. Yeah. So you, you have survived the five fun fast facts, which amazingly trips people up every single time. I don't know. It's, it's a gift that you have, Kate. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> It's hard when people ask you rapid fires. I was on a show yesterday. Same thing happened. I was like, oh, I can't think this fast. <laughs> Especially you did it's great. Just, it's so off the wall. It's like you know, you're having this conversation. Right. It's flowing. It's flowing. And then left turn. So yes, I like it though. So Kelly, thank you for being on the show today. I think this has been absolutely awesome. Uh, do you have any, you. anything you'd like to, well, obviously I'm sure you have something you'd like to plug here. Yeah, so um, um, we have something launching in, in January, which is very much um, within what we were talking about. And it's going to be a video that begins a larger conversation for the year. And it's a series called The Journey Within. And January's video is The Journey Within Intention. And I'm going to be talking a lot about why I don't set resolutions and why I believe in intention setting and how what we talked about earlier and healing physically comes from that emotional and spiritual healing. And I think oftentimes we, we have resolutions because we do want to heal physically. So many people want to eat better, want to go to the gym, but they're not getting to the core of why they need to do this or why they want to. And so this video is going to lead into more webinars and worksheets and events that we're going to be having throughout 2019 about how to truly heal and get to the core of your triggers and also what will really make you happy in your life. So if people want to go to the website and subscribe to my emails, they'll be the first to find out, but we'll be posting about it and talking about it a ton leading up to January. Awesome. And social media is. Yes. So I am at Kelly M like Michelle tenant on Instagram that's my personal and then the platforms is this is the platform okay awesome so again thank you so much for being on the show today and for our listeners be sure to continue to check us out at stadiumscene.tv on facebook twitter and instagram at stadium scene and on instagram at stadium underscore scene we're still haven't been able to get the stadium scene. You forgot Instagram. your Pinterest. I know I said Pinterest. No, didn't I? All right, Pinterest too. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so uh, thanks again for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time.